Luke chapter number 2. Christmas story. We were here Christmas Eve up here on the platform with all of our children. And um, instead of the little drummer boy, I met the little hummer boy. He was up here. And uh, and I loved all the kids up here. It was exciting to have them here. And someone said, I didn't realize we had so many kids in our church. And I said, that was only part of them. But it was good to see them all. And hope they enjoyed Christmas yesterday. Aren't you glad that they're in children's church and nurseries today? I had a, a long message, 30-minute message for Christmas Eve service, and I listened out, and all the kids were talking. And uh, I hate to share this with you because I'm afraid next week you're going to all bring your kids in the auditorium, and you know the secret to make a message short. No, I really didn't have a long message, but as I got up to, to speak after the Christmas story, those kids were so rowdy and... and uh, now, for some, for some, that might, might annoy you. But to me, that sounded like life. It sounded like future. Um, it sounded like opportunity. And I'm so glad that our church, we have from the oldest to the youngest. I'm so glad that our nurseries are filled each week. And I'm so glad for the oldest members in our church as well. And I'm so thankful that our church can be a multi-generational church. And I know a multi-generational church looks different because every generation might want it to look like what they want. But I, I think that um, it, shows, it shows our love for the Lord and it shows that we understand it's all about Christ. When we're willing to uh, give up maybe something that we like or we prefer so that uh, a church can be a multi-generational church. And uh, I, love, I love Old Little Town of Bethlehem, but I also love new Christmas songs as well. And when we get to heaven... I think we're going to learn all kinds of new songs. And all we're going to do is sing around the throne of Jesus Christ for thousands upon thousands of years. And uh, how wonderful that's going to be. And so I, uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this Christmas season. And I want to come to Luke chapter 2 today and read a, a familiar passage of Scripture. And uh, I, I know if you've been in church any length of time, Christmas season, it's, uh, it's the book of Matthew, the, the book of Luke, and, and to try to, to read a new passage of Scripture that revolves around Christmas is, is uh, it's difficult. It's, um, uh, but I don't believe that we ought to avoid those passages of Scripture just because they're familiar as well. And so I hope that the familiarity of this passage of Scripture doesn't cause you not to listen today, but I hope that you stay alert. Because I want us to see something that is just so interesting, so wonderful about Jesus Christ here out of this passage of Scripture. And the Bible says in verse number 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." A few years ago, my wife and I took a trip to Israel with 
uh, about 20-some people or so from our church here. And it was an interesting trip. It was a trip of a lifetime. Matter of fact, it was such a wonderful trip. Our goal is to take another trip next spring, uh, 2023. And I hope that you can come with us. We visited this place called Bethlehem. We visited the shepherd's fields. And it was nothing like I thought. I've shared this with you before. When I thought of the shepherd fields, I'd go back to the flanographs from, from Sunday school. And they'd put the shepherd up in these rolling green hills. And it was nothing like that. Bethlehem was a, a special place. It was a place where Jesus Christ, it was prophesied that he was going to be born. A little lamb was prophesied was going to be born in Bethlehem. The great I am was going to be born a lamb in Bethlehem. You see, it was not an accident that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. Go with me to Micah, if you're able to find that quickly. Micah chapter number five in the Old Testament. Micah chapter number five and verse number two. The Bible tells us, but thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. This is a prophecy that the prophet Micah foretold, that there is going to be one, a Savior, who is going to be born in this place of Bethlehem. So we know from Scripture, Jesus was going to be born in this place. And how fitting that Mary's lamb would be born here in Bethlehem. You know, I learned while I was visiting there in Israel, there in Bethlehem, long ago, the Jewish priest had begun raising uh, a Passover lambs there in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was about five miles from Jerusalem. And these priests began raising these, these special lambs there in Bethlehem, and they would then take them up to Jerusalem on Passover, and those lambs there would be sacrificed on Passover in Jerusalem. And these shepherd's fields, the ones that we witnessed, the ones that we saw, those same shepherd fields were a place where very special, very special breed of sacrificial lambs were going to be raised. And then they were going to be nurtured so that these lambs would be brought to Jerusalem to place on Passover to be slaughtered. These lambs that were to be slaughtered there were going to be lambs that were going to be sacrificed because of the sins of the people. And this is the same exact place that God's perfect lamb was born. A place where lambs were nurtured, a place where lambs were raised, a place where lambs were born to be taken to Jerusalem to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. How fitting a sacrificial lamb would be born in this stable in Bethlehem. And so first today, I, my aim, I really, my goal is not to be lengthy this morning. I just want us to look at this lamb this morning, and I want us to rejoice this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, then church, we have so much to rejoice in. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to hear very closely today as I lay out this lamb the sacrificial lamb, this lamb of God that was born in Bethlehem so that your sins and my sins would be paid for. I want you to see this morning, go to Exodus chapter number 12. Would you please with me? I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. I want you to write down in your notes, number one, the prophecy of this lamb. 
the prophecy of this lamb. We go all the way back to Exodus chapter number 12. Now I want us to lay this foundation for Exodus chapter 12 this morning. The Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. The Israelites went in as a small family and God then allowed that small family to, to grow. And, and under bondage of Egypt, though, they are slaves. And the Israelites are in bondage, and God has a plan to set his people, Israel, free from the bondage there in Egypt. And what does God do? God uses a lamb. I want you to look with me, if you'll read along with me, Exodus chapter number 12, in verse number 1 this morning. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. In verse number five, and your lamb shall be without blemish. This is an important verse. It's not just any lamb. It's not just any sacrifice. It's not just any way you desire. It's not freedom however you choose. It's God's way. It's God's plan. And God's plan for Israel was a lamb without blemish a male of the first year. And ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. In verse number six, and ye shall keep it unto the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. The Israelites here in, in, in Exodus chapter number 12, we find God's plan for freedom, for deliverance out of the bondage of Egypt. God uses a lamb to deliver them. It's so interesting that with God, when he uses something to deliver them, he uses such a meek thing, something so mild, something so innocent. And that's what he uses to deliver his people from the bondage of Egypt. Now, the symbol of Egypt was a serpent. If you were to study Egypt and, and you would go back to the pharaohs and, and to the rulers there in Egypt, you would find this. Upon the crowns of pharaohs, you would find the head of a serpent. You'd find a serpent's body coiled upon that, on the, on, upon that crown. And you would go through pharaoh after pharaoh, and you would find that the Egyptians, they served and they worshipped, and the serpent was the, 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 the thing that you would find upon their crowns. Egypt represented the serpent. You would find as well on the sepulcher that they would have, the, the pharaohs would hold, they would find a serpent coiled upon it. There was about to be a battle between the lamb and the serpent there in Egypt. Serpent had a stronghold on the people of Israel. And God was going to deliver his people, and what God chose to use to deliver his people is going to be a lamb, God's lamb. A seemingly defenseless, gentle, meek, weak, mild lamb 
against the venomous, powerful serpent. Now, I want you to see something here in this passage of Scripture. Look with me in verse number five. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male lamb of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. There's something special that I want us to see that's prophesying of this lamb. Now, everything that you're going to find here is prophecy of what's going to come. They're prophesying of this lamb that we read in Luke chapter number two, this lamb of God, this lamb, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world that's going to come. He's going to free mankind from the bondage of sin. Here we find in this passage of scripture, we find the special lamb. This lamb is a lamb without blemish. This is a perfect lamb. This is one that is without blemish. This speaks of Mary's lamb. Mary's lamb, Jesus Christ, was a perfect lamb, a lamb without blemish. Jesus Christ was a sinless lamb. It's important for us. Because without a sinless sacrifice, without a blemish, if Jesus had a blemish or if a sacrifice had a blemish, it would not have been accepted. But the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, was a lamb without blemish, without sin. So many today try to use so many other ways to get to heaven. But every other way is blemished. Religion in itself, blemished. Man's way is blemished. blemished. The only unblemished lamb is the lamb, Jesus Christ. This lamb that we find in verse number five is a special lamb. There's no blemish in this lamb. It spoke of Mary's lamb. Look with me in verse number six. The Bible says, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel. And look what the Bible says, shall kill it in the evening. I want you to write this down. It prophesies not only of a blemish, uh, no blemish, but also a slain lamb. This slain lamb, it spake of Mary's lamb. For Mary's lamb, the one that we find in Luke chapter 2, born there in that manger, was going to die for your sin and for my sin. He's going to be slain. His life is going to be taken. His blood is going to be shed. Just like the lamb here in, in, in Exodus chapter number 12, it foretold of this lamb in Luke chapter 2, Mary's lamb, a slain lamb. I want you to go with me in verse number seven. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides of the post, on the upper door of the of posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. I want you to see something here. This is also a saving lamb. Look with me in verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt from night, this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. But if you had the lamb, the blood of the lamb was placed upon the post in your door when that death angel would come to execute judgment upon Israel. The Bible tells us this, that 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 death angel would pass over the houses where the, the blood was there applied to the post. The blood applied is what saves. I want you to see in this passage of scripture, we see the lamb with no blemish. It speaks of Mary's lamb. We see a slain lamb. It prophesies of Mary's lamb. It speaks of a saving lamb. It speaks of Mary's lamb. In Luke chapter number two, the blood applied is what saves. When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. You know the song that we sing about the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen to me today it was the blood upon the post that saved 
Hear me today, it's not gold and jewels. They could have put all of their riches outside of their door, but when that angel came, it would not have passed. It's only by the blood that the angel passed by. It's only the blood that saves. It wasn't religion. It wasn't anything else other than the blood. It wasn't a living lamb. They couldn't have put a lamb outside the door, a living lamb. No, it had to be the blood applied would have only been the blood is what caused that angel to pass. It was the shedding of the blood that saved the people. In Exodus chapter 2, we read of this prophecy of this lamb. It's a saving lamb. I want you to see here in verse number eight as well. The Bible says, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Would you write this down? We see this prophecy, this lamb. We see as well a shared lamb. In verse number eight, the Bible says it was roasted. For what reason? It was eaten. This lamb was shared it was roasted it speaks of jesus who endured the fires of god's wrath for you and for me these that these that slain the lamb were to eat of the lamb the bible tells us in verse number eight and as they were sharing this meal a bunch of slaves became a nation When that blood was applied to the door, the Bible says, that death angel was going to pass over because of that blood. But it went further. He said, I want you to share that. I want you to eat of that lamb. And oh, listen to me today. As they walked out of Egypt, the lamb walked out inside of them as well. It is Christ in you, the Bible says, is the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. It is Christ that gives us strength. That special lamb, that slain lamb, that saving lamb was also, the Bible says, a shared lamb. And what a prophecy Exodus chapter 12 is of Mary's lamb that we find on this time of year. Luke chapter 2 when we read of this prophesied lamb, this lamb that we find in Exodus chapter 12, it's Mary's lamb that we find in Luke chapter 2. So, so Mary's lamb was a, a prophesied lamb. I want you to go with John, to John chapter 1, if you would, please. John chapter 1. Everybody awake this morning? How many of you over ate yesterday? And you're paying for it today. John chapter 1. Look with me in verse number 29. So we see a prophesied lamb. Luke 2 we see that prophecy fulfilled in John chapter 1 look with me in verse number 29 the Bible says this the next day John seeing Jesus coming unto him and saith behold what's the Bible say the Lamb of God now you're too quiet today I want you to talk to the person next to you I want you to say to the person next to you wake up and listen for just a few more minutes go ahead tell them a little bit louder. If you have to pinch him, pinch him. Yeah. Now, I want you to all say with me, look with me in verse number 29. Look with me there. I want you to read that along with me when we get to this part. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, say it with me, what does he see? The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I want you to see the Lamb 
is a prophesied lamb. And also John tells us this lamb in history. John chapter one, verse number 29, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus was the lamb with no blemish. There was no blemish. You say, what? there is no blemish. No, Jesus was virgin birth. What is the, why is such an emphasis on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? Because if Jesus was born of man, Jesus would be born in sin. Now, I studied this, and you doctors and nurses could hopefully tell me this is true. The bloodline of a baby comes from the father, not the mother. A baby can have a different blood type than the mother. The bloodline comes from the father. And while Mary was the earthly mother, God was the heavenly father. And the bloodline that flowed through the veins of Jesus Christ was not by an earthly mother, but by his heavenly father. This is important. See, Jesus was this lamb without blemish. When John foretold of what Jesus, he's coming, he says, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. John is prophesying the lamb that we read of in Exodus chapter 12. He's here. And he's here for a reason. He is that lamb of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. Oh, mankind up to this point has tried all of their ways. They've looked for this Messiah and he's finally here. The lamb of God has come. And because of this, salvation has come. Jesus, born of a virgin, Jesus was slain. He's a slain lamb. The Bible says this, he's the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He's going to make a blood atonement. The Bible tells us this, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. A blood sacrifice had to take place. This lamb had to have been born, and it had to be a, a lamb without blemish, a perfect, sinless lamb. And we find that through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And also a sacrifice has to be made. We find this as well. This is the sacrifice, the, the sacrificial lamb. Jesus Christ is going to be the slain lamb. Look with me in Acts chapter 20. Would you go there with me? Acts chapter 20. And we're going to see in verse number 28. This blood is so important. Why do we preach that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Why do we preach that the Bible is true? Why do we preach that there's no other way to heaven except through the name of Jesus Christ? Why do we preach the gospel, the death, the, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? My friend, because there is no other way. It's only through Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed was perfect blood. The atonement that was made was sufficient to be our to pay for our sin debt. Look with me in verse number 28. The Bible says this, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. This is a warning that's given to the pastors, to the elders. Saying, take heed. Take heed to this flock. It's, it's by Holy Ghost that you made overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with 
his own blood. It's God's blood. This blood that was shed by Jesus Christ was God's blood. It was through, through him, through God the Father, that Jesus had this perfect, holy, precious blood. Now, if you were to study through the, uh, uh, the, the uh, Gospels, you'd find about a third of the Gospels were given to about the last week of the life of Jesus. And we find where we, what we might refer to as Palm Sunday. Now stay with me, this is important. I bring these things together here. Because on Palm Sunday, Jesus is coming down to the Mount of Olives and he's ascending into the Temple Mount. And, and when we started in Jerusalem and our trip, we started on the Mount of Olives and we made that descent down the Mount of Olives. And then looking down from the Garden of Gethsemane, we looked up and we saw the Temple Mount. What a wonderful, what a glorious, glorious uh, a picture that was. We saw the Eastern Gate there as we looked up into the Temple Mount. And as Jesus is coming down, he's coming down the temple, uh, the Mount of Olives, and he's ascending up to the Temple Mount. And this is important now, hear me today. The same time Jesus is going through the Eastern Gate, those Passover lambs from Bethlehem that the priests have raised to be a sacrificial lamb for the people. At the time that Jesus is coming through the Eastern Gate, those Passover lambs are entering through the Sheep Gate the same time while Jesus is while the priests are examining these lambs they take these lambs as they're examining them they look into their mouths they look into their ears they they look all around them there can't be a single blemish if there's a blemish on any of these lambs they have to be removed they can't be a sacrifice and as the priests are checking and examining these lambs, at the same time, the Sadducees and the religious lead, they're examining Jesus, looking for blemish in Jesus. But I remind you what Pilate said, I find no fault in him. I remind you that they had to come up with lies. They had to come up with uh, unfalse statements to try to accuse Jesus, but they could not find any fault in Jesus Christ. As the priests were looking for a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, to take away the, the sins of the world of, of, the, of Israel at the time, Jesus himself was coming into Jerusalem without blemish to be that sacrificial lamb. Jesus Christ went to the cross on Mount Moriah. Now why is that such a important thing? Mount Moriah there in Jerusalem is a very important place because it's there upon Mount Moriah that remember the story of, 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 uh, of uh, Jacob and Abraham and, and, and uh, Jacob. Remember, Abraham takes his son to sacrifice his son there on Mount Moriah. And God says, don't sacrifice him. I will provide myself a lamb. Oh, listen to me, prophecy once again has come true there upon Mount Moriah. God has provided a lamb and this lamb is a perfect lamb. This lamb is a lamb without blemish. This lamb is the sacrificial lamb that is going to die for the sins of entire world. And as Jesus is there upon Mount Moriah, where God told Abraham, I will provide myself a lamb, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. As Jesus is there upon Mount Moriah, the priests were cutting the throats of the lambs for the sacrifice. At the same time, the Lamb of God is hanging on the cross, 
and he cries out, it is finished. He is the saving lamb. Jesus Christ hanging there says, it is finished. What is he saying? There's no more need for another lamb to be shed. I am the lamb of God. I am here to take away the sins of the world. The virgin-born, sinless lamb of God is hanging there on a tree. His blood is being spilled. His blood is being shed for you and for me. He is a saving lamb. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, the Bible says this, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. You see, no longer did a lamb need to shed his blood because the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God, Mary's lamb, his blood was shed. We find this as well. Mary's lamb is to be a, a shared lamb. We see in verse number eight of, of Exodus 12 that they shared that lamb. And look with me, if you would, go to, go to 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, if you would, please. We're going to be here in just a moment. But I want to bring your attention to this passage of Scripture. The Lord's Supper, we call it. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's speaking about the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He says this, For I have received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, but the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, share of this. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup and he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. No, church, when we share the lamb, we don't come to mourn the corpse of a dead Jesus. We come to hail him as conqueror. He is risen. Oh, as we came there in Israel and we came to the, 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 the place of the skull, we looked up at uh, Golgotha and, 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 it, and it was interesting. Right there on the side of that hill, where they believe that Jesus was crucified, you could see the, the, the face, the, the, the face of a skull. And there in that garden where we looked upon that, that uh, mountainside was also a, a tomb. Now, I don't know if that was the exact tomb, but to be honest with you, it really doesn't matter because it's still empty. It was empty. And I'm so glad that they don't try to show us a tomb with a stone sealed over it and tell us that's where Jesus lay because Jesus no longer is in the tomb. Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus, we don't come to this table. We don't come and observe the Lord's Supper. We don't come and, and, and mourn the corpse of Jesus. We come and we rejoice and we worship a victorious Savior that reigns listen to me today would you write this down number three the lamb is we see the lamb in his victory so we see the lamb that's prophesied we see the lamb in history and then we see this lamb in victory go to revelation chapter number five if you would please revelation chapter five revelation chapter five john is speaking 
of this future event. Look with me in verse number one. And I saw the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Now think of this now. <clears throat> Sometimes when we read through the book of Revelation, we, we just need to take and consider what we're reading here. John sees, he's looking into the future, and there's this book. I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written. Within, on, within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. There's a book that is sealed and cannot be read. This is what John is seeing. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? What John is watching, what is unfolding right before John's eyes is a book that is open. These seven sealed book represents the right to rule. Whoever can open this book has the right to rule. But the problem was this. John says, I'm listening in a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose this seal thereof? He's asking this question. Who's worthy? And the Bible tells us in verse number three, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. This is the place that John found himself the book, the right to rule this book, whoever could open it had the right to rule. The problem is no one could open this book. No one could open it. No one could break the seal. John's response was this, and I wept much. Verse number four, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereupon. And John looking down the portals of time and seeing what this book represents, that this seven-sealed book represents the right to rule, and no one could break the seal. No powerful angel could break this seal. No military genius could break this seal. No politician could break this seal. No demon of Satan could break this seal. No power of Satan could break this seal. John began to weep because history is going to be gone. It's over. It's going to come to an untimely end. And all this to me, I find in today's culture, the same thing is happening. Mankind is weeping because they think that it's coming to an end. Because there's no military genius, there's no politician, there's no ruler in this earth that has any answers. Mankind is trying to figure out in himself what the next step is. And the fear is this. It's all going to come to an untimely end. And John weeps. Look with me, though, in verse number four. And I wept. In verse five, and one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. This is a wonderful picture. John, who's weeping, he's uncontrollably weeping, thinking history is coming to an untimely end. It's all over. There's no hope. There's no one that can rule. There's no one worthy. And an angel says, John, weep not. The angel says, John, don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And John looks. He's looking 
looking for this lion tribe of Judah. And I want you to see what John sees. And I beheld in verse number six. And lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood what? Stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all of the earth. Oh, listen to me. When John looked, he beheld a lamb, but not just a lamb. He beheld the lamb. Who did he beheld? The lamb of God that was prophesied that he was going to come and he was going to free his people and deliver his people. He's the same one that John prophesied and Saul said, this is the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world when all seemed hopeless and all seemed like it was going to end and John weeping because it seemed like it was all over I want you to see the victory of the Lamb of God he's victorious oh the Bible describes him here as a slain lamb he's a slain lamb look he's, the Bible again says and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain He's a slain lamb. I want you to see as well, though, in this passage of Scripture, this slain lamb is also a standing lamb. He stood a lamb as it had been slain. This is a strong lamb. It shows power. These seven horns that this, this lamb has shows power. You see, Jesus is the secret of history. Jesus is what mankind is looking for. Jesus is the secret. He has the right of creation. Why? Because he made it. He has the right of, of, of uh, uh, Calvary because he shed his blood. The right of conquest because he, uh, he raised from the dead. And he has a right to take, open, uh, take and open the book because Jesus is the great I am. And today as we come and we read Luke chapter 2, this babe that looks so innocent, looks so frail, looks so mild, looks so meek. Oh, one day, my friend, he is the same lamb that is going to defeat Satan. He is the same lamb that has defeated death and defeated hell. He is the same lamb, the lamb that stands with power and authority and rules this world. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the secret of all history. He is our hope. He is the great I am. And from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it speaks of a lamb. And right in the middle, we find this lamb is Jesus Christ. Well, listen to me today. If you're here today, the message today is just to cause us to rejoice. Jesus is the lamb. No matter what this world is going through, no matter what the trials are that we face, no matter what it looks like, no matter how dark at times it will be, I want to remind you today that Jesus Christ is victorious. There's hope because of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to Jesus Christ today. He's a lamb that's been prophesied. He's the lamb that we see in history. He's the lamb that we see as victorious. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. My question today is, do you know the lamb? 
Have you received that free gift of salvation that only the Lamb of God provides? He shed his blood. He made a sacrifice for you and for me. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or no forgiveness of sin. Your sins have been forgiven because of the Lamb of God, whose name is Jesus. Would you bow with me? Would you stand? In just a moment, we're going to have what we refer to as Lord's table or Lord's Supper or communion. And we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ shed his blood. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Jesus says, when you come together, do this in remembrance of me. But as you come together, the Bible says this, but let a man examine himself. And so eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We're going to come together and we're going to drink of this cup, eat of this bread. But before we do, the Bible says examine yourself. Number one, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, examine your heart. What are you putting your faith in? What are you putting eternity in? Good works, religion, yourself, man's way? No, it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was placed on that tree. His blood was shed. And as that blood came dripping off of his body, it was accepted, acceptable sacrifice. That blood was sufficient payment for your sin and my sin. There's nothing more that you can do. And then he was placed in that grave, and three days later, the Bible says, he conquered death. He rose victorious over death. What is the gospel? The gospel, the good news, what is it? The death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe that he rose again, thou shalt be saved. As you're examining your heart today, my friend, I'm asking you today, those that have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, what have you done with the Lamb? Has the blood been applied to the doorpost of your life? Only, only by the blood, the shed blood. And you had to do it the way God intended for you to do it. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. It doesn't matter how religious you are. What matters is are you obedient to God in his way? Has the blood been applied to your life? Examine your heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, as we're just examining our hearts, I wonder this question. Is there one here today that would say this? Today, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to apply that blood to my heart. I know that I've sinned. And I know 
And I believe that Jesus Christ came and died as you preach today and paid my sin debt. And today, I want to receive that gift of salvation. Today, I want to be saved. Is there one today that you would say this, what wonderful time it would be the day after we celebrate the birth of our Savior, you would say, today I want to receive that gift. He was born of a virgin, born in a stable, born in a manger, born in Bethlehem. For what reason? To pay your sin debt. And like yesterday, if someone had given you a gift, but you refused to accept it and open it, the gift is available to you, to you, but it's sitting unopened. Salvation is the same way. It's a gift available to you. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He desires for you to take that gift of eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you received that free gift of salvation? Or is God's gift to you unaccepted? You've not received it. Today, would you just simply, God, be merciful to me a sinner save me. I receive that gift of salvation. I believe that Jesus came and died and shed his blood to pay my sin debt. I believe that he rose again on the third day. I receive that gift of eternal life. Save me today. I give you my life. I wonder if there's one here that would say this, today I need to pray and trust Christ as my Savior. No one's going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Maybe you're a guest. Maybe you've been here for years. And the Lord is dealing with you as you examine your heart today. Is there one? Don't leave here today without receiving Christ as your Savior. Is there one that would say, today, I want to receive Christ. Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? I want to pray with you. Anyone? And Christian, examine your heart. In just a moment, we're going to take of this bread and drink of this cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. But we should not that we should not be condemned with this world. He says, wherefore, my brother, when ye come together to eat, tarry, tarry one for another.